Welcome back to Sex Talks Podcast with me, your host, Salman Dasilo Henda And always, I'm super excited to be here with you. And I'm beyond grateful that you chose Sex Talks Podcast once again. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to the Sex Talks Podcast family. Here, we are all about creating an informed and educated society of young people who can openly have discussions on sexual health matters while sharing their personal experiences and hearing from experts in the field. Before we get started, I would like to thank our sponsors that made this episode possible. The United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, popularly known as UNESCO under the O3 Plus project. This as a project that aims to ensure that young people in higher and tertiary education institutions in the East and Southern Africa region are informed about their sexual reproductive health and rights, and Namibia being one of them where it's implemented. This includes conversations around gender equality, unintended pregnancy, gender-based violence, HIV and AIDS, and many other topics that we are passionate about on Sex Talks Podcast. And there's one thing that popped up in our first two episodes. It's contraceptives. Like, I mean, first thing, sexual conversations in an African household from a female perspective, then male perspective. But there's one thing that was very, very dominant in those first two episodes was contraceptives. And here on Sex Talks Podcast, we care and we put emphasis and ensure that we have information breakdown for you. This then leads us to our third episode with Dr. Julia Iambo, who is going to be doing a contraceptive breakdown on the readily available contraceptives in Namibia. Exactly why I love this podcast. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Dr. Julia Iambo is an international board certified medical doctor and emergency care practitioner at the Windhoek Central Hospital. Not from Namibia, from Kursk University and the Russian Federation. And she's currently pursuing her master's in HIV and AIDS management at the UM. Yo. First, it was a certified comprehensive sexuality education trainer. Now I'm sitting with a whole doctor who's pursuing a master's in HIV and AIDS management. Ha, ah, guys, I'm beyond honored. She's very passionate about the overall holistic well-being of human and serving their health at large. Ladies, gentlemen, and others, please walk me welcome, Dr. Iambo. Thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule and being here with us. How are you doing today? Um, thank you so much, Selma, for having me in the studio today. I, am, I would like to say I'm greatly honored to be here. Um, I'm doing fine. I mean, from a busy day at work, uh, it's really okay. I'm really doing fine. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, and I'm super excited that you're here. I'm still getting over that hype and excitement <laughs> that we are going to be able to bring tailored content that then suits the needs of young people and just not any information that I give out as a trained individual and somebody that has experience, but it's also somebody that has a qualification and speaks from a higher ground. So in off with defining what contraceptives are, because often at times we hear contraceptives, but do we actually know what that is? And for the young 
um, girls, boys, and others that are watching mm-hmm. that also then just have to get this basic understanding of what exactly is going on. So how would you then break down what contraceptives are? Um, so contraception um, is actually a combination of two words, right? So the contra um, is a prefix meaning against, opposite, or opposing, right? And then um, ception is a suffix from the word conception, meaning the action of conceiving a child, right? So in layman's terms, contraception is the action against conceiving of a child. Wow. So basically that's what it means. Yeah, and we also know it as a family planning. Yeah, it also makes it a bit easier for people to understand what exactly it is because it defines it in the two words of family planning, right? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. There's one thing I'm here for today as learning and understanding where everything else comes because that breakdown of contraceptives is not something that I would have done for my end. If we're speaking about what is this, um, stopping the conceiving of a child, then we also ought to speak about what are the various methods that we then can stop this. And as a young person in Namibia and Africa as a whole, what would you say are some of the most readily available contraceptives in our communities and health facilities? Right. Um, so for the purpose of awareness, I would like to classify um, contraception, mm-hmm. right? So we've got um, temporary contraception mm-hmm. and then we've got permanent contraception, okay? So under temporary, we've subdivided them into natural, barrier, hormonal, and intrauterine, okay? Okay, so um, under natural contraception, we've got abstinence, which is the avoidance of sexual intercourse, and then we've got lactation amenorrhea. So what this is, is just that after a lady has given birth, um, there's a period where she breastfeeds the child, right? So when she's breastfeeding the child, um, because of the hormones that are in the body, they prevent a lady from um, sort of menstruating and sort of from ovulating. Okay, so um, it depends um, how long you breastfeed the child. So in our setting, we like to normally advise six months strictly, exclusively breastfeeding. So um, depending on how long you are breastfeeding, so from two to six months, we have an effect of contraception for about five to ten months. Yeah. Um, the next would be uh, barrier methods. This is inclusive of condoms, um, diaphragms, sponges, vaginal spermicides as well. So what these include, um, the condom and the diaphragm do not have um, hormones that prevent um, fertilization from happening. However, the sponge spermicide and the vaginal spermicide, they have uh, an ointment or sort of like some added um, ingredients to it that prevent, that are sort of um, spermicidal, they prevent the sperm from um, um, going to fertilize the egg. And then we've got um, hormonal contraception. This is inclusive of implants that we normally hear of, um, IUDs or intrauterine devices. Um, we've got injectables. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the pills, the vaginal rings, and then the skin patches. So they are classified under hormonal because they've got the, the normal hormones that a lady has, which is estrogen and progesterone. So these are just included in the types of contraception so they can counteract um, fertilization. So yeah, uh, that's the contraception part. And then we've also got the intrauterine devices. We've got the progesterone-based um, devices, and then we've got the copper-based intrauterine devices. Okay, that's what so separates what's them. what's the difference between those two? Okay, so the difference between the progesterone-based um, intrauterine device and the copper-based intrauterine device is that the, the former has progesterone, which is a hormone that we naturally produce. 
However, it is now put into a device that goes into the uterus, okay? And then the copper-based intrauterine device is also an intra, it also goes in the uterus. Mm-hmm. However, it doesn't have a hormone, it only has copper. So what copper is, is that it's, it's toxic to the sperm. So the moment the sperm um, um, gets into contact with the copper IUD, it releases the copper ions, right, that prevent fertilization from happening. Just okay. the one that is in the IUD, not any other copper that they can pick up. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it, it's, this copper is uh, specific for the, for the purpose of the intrauterine device. So Amazing. it's coated with copper ions. All right. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the permanent um, type of contraception, um, that's sterilization. So we've got male and we've got female sterilization. Okay. Um, so another uh, male, we've got the vasectomies. Yeah, the vasectomies can be permanent and it can be temporary as well. Yeah, by temporary we mean um, they can clip and then um, at a time when the men want to have children, have children, and they can just go back and then they reverse, they remove the clips. It's the same with the females, um, where we have tubal ligation. So tubal ligation can also be. It has different um, types of surgeries, different types of material is used, but it's also. Um, temporary and permanent in such a way that if the lady wants to continue conceiving, they can just um, book in and then they can reverse, um, depending on the material that was used. So it does not have a specific time frame as to say five years, 10 years or three years. It's entirely up to you. It's entirely up to you. But I mean, it's not advisable to get um, tubal ligation today and then in three months you want to reverse it. Because remember, you are going into theater. You are going under anesthesia. You are sleeping for a while. They are closing the tubes. Then you're coming out, you have to recover as well. So recovery time is usually not three, six months. It, it takes a while for the, for the effect to work as well. Yeah, so some ladies, they come back maybe after, it depends how they want to space their children. So maybe five years, they can come back and say, hey, listen, I want you to please reverse um, this ligation for me. I want to continue conceiving, for example. Wow. Yes. Okay. That, there was a lot that I had <laughs> to take in within those few minutes. And my jaw just dropped because I'm sure I'm not the only one that did not know that there's that specific time frame that you can, what is a school by when you're breastfeeding without mm-hmm. having your period. Wow. <laughs> I am definitely here to learn. But then what would you say are some of the key factors that we then have to look at? when we are choosing a contraceptive, because you have mentioned quite a variety of contraceptives. What are the key factors that one has to look at before choosing or going for a specific contraceptive? Okay, um, so we've got um, various key factors that we can take into consideration before choosing a contraception. Um, amongst them, we've got age. Um, depending on how old you are, um, at which spectrum of the age that you are. So um, there are younger are women mm-hmm. that should not take certain contraceptives and then these older women that shouldn't take certain contraceptives. I give an example, mm-hmm. um, like for the injectables, right? We've got um, Depo-Provera mm-hmm. and then we've got um, Neurostrate. So both of them are injectables, both of them are progesterones, but then the one, the Depo-Provera, you give to older women. You'd rather give it to older women um, and then the Neurostrate, you'd rather give it to, to, to younger women. The reason being the Depo-Provera takes longer to work because it's a three months injection. It takes longer to work. It might have more side effects than the Neurostrate. Uh, the Neurostrate has, it's a two month injection. So you get it every two months, 
right? And it doesn't really have as many possible side effects as the Depo-Provera, all right? So that's age. And then we can also look at um, affordability. We can, we can also look at the, what is this? Because Depo has been, I see a recent article with the Namibian newspaper that speaks of young people that have gotten it. And mm-hmm. they speak of side effects like losing their hair, the weight gains and everything else. In terms of, you're spoken about the age, but what else can be a counter? What is this thing when you look at depot? Perhaps that can also serve as clarity because mm-hmm. that's one of the readily available contraceptives that right, we have in right, the country. Right, um, Okay, so for depot provera, um, what happens with depot provera is that in the long run, especially if a young lady takes starts taking depot provera at a very, very young age, say 18, that's the consenting age, right? Mm-hmm. So say they start taking it at 18, um, they've got this whole life ahead of them. So what Depo Provera does, it has it has a side effect of infertility, all right? Secondary infertility. So if you take it for a long time, it will eventually start um, playing with your body system, all right? Which causes infertility. Studies haven't really proven the reason as to why or the mechanism, the, the physiology behind it, but it does, studies have shown that a lot of women that have taken it at a younger, from a younger age, they have secondary infertility, all right? Because um, in itself, it has, um, once you stop taking the injection, remember it's a, it's a three-month injection, mm-hmm. it takes a while to be in the body system, right? By the time you um, stop taking it, it might take up to a year to before clear. you can conceive, before you can um, actually fall pregnant. So it's in all those um physiological changes where you might not actually you will struggle to conceive a child yeah that's why we we really don't recommend it for um younger ladies um but i mean if it's the only contraception that is available we we do have situations like that then Mm -hmm. um i mean we can introduce other options of contraception but if it's the only one available there are chances sometimes it's the only one that is available in the lady wants contraception. She cannot afford what is in private, so she has to start getting the injection. But I mean, it's 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 important to know that we do give health education as well on the side effects, the benefits, and yeah, we don't just um, prescribe contraception just for the sake of prescribing without the patient actually knowing what they're getting themselves into. Sort of amazing. Yes. Um, so that was age. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we also have affordability. Let's take a quick commercial break to thank our sponsors that made this episode possible. The Namibia Media Trust, popularly known as NMT and DW Academy. Those two institutions hosted a podcast bootcamp in 2022, which brought together individuals from around Southern African region with the aim of training them on podcasting. At the end of the training, we received seed funding to come up with prototypes and bring our ideas to life. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we came up with Sex Talks Podcast. Yeah, affordability. Um, if you go to a state hospital, you don't you don't really have to pay. I mean, apart from the $15 that you pay as an adult um, at registration, at the reception, you don't actually pay for anything else. Yes, that's so, true. So if you come, you look for contraception. We advise you on what to get, what is available, what you can get, side effects and benefits. Then we prescribe it and you get it from the pharmacy if it's in stock, right? You don't have to pay for anything. So that's why people rather opt to go to a state hospital than a private facility. Than a private facility. Because a private facility is not just a prescription that you take to the pharmacy. You actually have to 
you know, go through the whole some, process yes, and yes, you get the what is this, the body scanning and you get what's advisable for you. understand? Yeah, so um, it's affordability. So people rather prefer where they are not paying for. That's why some people get to have things like younger ladies getting their program, for example, because it's the only thing available. You don't pay for it. If you have to go to private, then you have to pay for the Debra Provera. That's why they just opt for that. Um, another thing is um, availability um, of the contraception. So in state, we do have contraception in state. However, sometimes it can be no out stock. of stock. Yes. Especially during the COVID-19 Especially, pandemic. yes. That's when so, we ran out of stock. Yes, because remember in COVID, it's isolation. A lot of people are at home with their partners. So, you know, some people already have like a child, two kids, three kids. They don't really want to continue having. But you're at home with your partner. I mean... Some people are married, and it's sort of like part of their routine belief religion. Mm -hmm. This is a very, very important factor. I give an example of the uh, uh, Catholics. Mm -hmm. The Catholic um, church, the Catholic hospitals, they don't, they're against contraception. In the Catholic hospital, you cannot write, you cannot prescribe contraception for you. You cannot even explain. You'd have, you'd rather send them to a non-Catholic hospital that is where they would have to get the contraception. You are not allowed to do it at all. It's a taboo. You don't do it. You don't talk about it. You don't do it. When it comes to religion, it's abstinence, abstinence, abstinence. You cannot even talk about, you know. And when you're married, you ought to have kids because... When you're married, you ought to have kids. So even condoms in marriage are like... That's... No, yeah. you're not allowed to do it's, that. You're yes. supposed to be here. You're supposed to be copulating. You understand? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, that's religion. Um, other factors would include side effects. For a person that has already been on contraception, on certain contraceptions, and they've experienced something, you know, that's not, that they feel like, no, this is not okay. I only started experiencing this after, after I started taking this specific medic. contraception. Yes. Yes. So they, we also have things like that. No, I don't want to do this. I want another one. But there's no other one that you can get. And it's you are not this able one. to afford. Able and to the afford. availability is also one thing. There's no availability as well. So, yeah, those are um, some of the most common um delays that we have in providing contraception yeah okay i know you have given a bit of what is this um long-term effects mm -hmm. that one gets from using contraceptives especially with the depot mm -hmm. but then in terms of we speak of iud we speak of um notices pills patches and everything else mm -hmm. what are some of the long-term effects that then come with using some of those type of contraceptives so um there's one thing that you need to understand about contraception and um contraception versus versus in a body, mm -hmm. a human body, right? Everybody um, is different and they react differently to certain things, right? So um, I've narrowed down the side effects um, into common and rare, but serious, okay? Amazing. So in the, in, in the common side effects, we've got things like headaches, dizziness. We've got things like heavy or unusual menstruation. We've got amenorrhea, which is no period at all for long periods of time. Or for the moment that you're not that you're taking the contraception, you don't have a period at all. The moment you stop taking it, then your period comes back. Let's look at that because it's one thing that is very common amongst what is this amongst girls, and it's something that we have experienced, especially during COVID, the time when the contraceptives were out of stock, mm -hmm. and we had cases where, but because um um a trained CSE um trainer, and I often engage with girls in the community. The one mm -hmm. thing that they tell you is, I've been bleeding for the past three months, six months. Is that something normal? And when you are on a specific contraceptives, what then comes after you don't have this bleeding? Do are the other some sort of backdoor side effects, mm -hmm. or how does it go? Okay, um, 
So for the purpose of awareness as well, when it comes to bleeding mm -hmm. um, associated with contraception, the thing is um, what contraception is, or the most part of the contraception is that it's hormones, all right? It's synthetic hormones that you put inside your body that you are adding to the hormones that you already have, have in your body, do you understand? So before contraception starts working, before the, the synthetic hormones start balancing out with the natural hormones, there has to be some sort of, you know, you are you are removing the balance of nature, if I can say it like that. So you will get um, instances where you've got breakthrough bleeding, for example. You've got your normal period, mm -hmm. then you've got breakthrough bleeding in between your periods, you've got intermenstrual bleeding. Sometimes you've got heavy bleeding for two weeks, three weeks maybe. Um, it's not as severe, it's not supposed to be as severe. So that's how we look at the bleeding in, in, um, in the usage of contraception. The moment it becomes bleeding for more than three weeks, I mean, that's not normal, even for a non-contraceptive user, that is abnormal bleeding. It means you're losing so much blood that your, 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 your body's um, minerals and vitamins and stuff like that, they start decreasing because there's so much, you can't lose, you, you can't be on your period for more than three months. We've actually got conditions for that as well. It's abnormal uterine bleeding, where we classify it according to the amount of blood that's getting lost, the amount of days that is happening. So when we look at the bleeding as a side effect, we sort of have to classify it, right, before we even give treatment. So if you come, for example, to the hospital, I've been taking contraception and you've been bleeding for a week, a week is okay. You can bleed for it because it's 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 supposed to be like that in order for you to get in, back. to Yes, normal. in order for you for the hormones to regulate themselves. You're supposed to bleed for a few days. Sometimes you don't even bleed at all. Sometimes you've got spotting. You know that's what the hormone is doing. But like I said, if you bleed for more than three, you are bleeding for more than three weeks, and that's a big problem, right? So normally we we um we give um adjuvant medication to the contraception to see it's it sort of, it's supposed to stop or decrease the bleeding a bit, right? So we give that for a few days. And when then one comes to seek now medical attention yes, after. Yes, okay. yes, so we give that for a few days. And if it's really not working, if it's not stopping, we'd rather take it away. If and it was the depot, we'd rather stop it. If it was pills, we'd rather stop it. If it was the implant, we'd rather remove it, as opposed to letting you bleed for more than four weeks. That's, that's a bit um, ludicrous, yeah. Okay. Um, and then um, just to add on the side effects, we've also got weight gain. Yeah, it's it's mostly associated with progesterone related. So that's the implants, you know, the f that's a progesterone only. It doesn't have estrogen. Remember, some have estrogen and progesterone and mm -hmm. some only have progesterone. So the ones that contain progesterone, they normally give um, people weight gain. When is it normal and when is it abnormal for those weight gains? Because... Yet again, I'm referring to the, what is this, reverting back to the article that was published on how the girls were sharing their stories. And the right, right. I went from 32 kilograms to 60 kilograms within two months. Yeah, yeah. So um, what it does, the, the mechanism of weight gain is not fully understood why a person gains weight because of progesterone. It doesn't, if you think about it, it doesn't actually make sense. So um, we are guessing, or the, 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 the hypothetical theories that are out there is that um, it, it, it all goes back to hormone disbalance anyway, because remember you are still putting an extra hormone in the body and that uh, the progesterone has a lot of functions in the body. It's not only for the purpose of contraception. It's also, it's also the one that maintains the pregnancy. You know, it's also the one that keeps the female a female. Um, I give an example of estrogen. It gives our hair, it gives our breast, it keeps the breast firm. It keeps wow. the hips go. Yes. 
I, I feel like I'm in my biology <laughs> class and I'm, I'm, wait, am I the only one? Because right now I feel like I am sitting in a higher <laughs> level biology class, yeah. having an understanding of what's going on in my body. But yeah, I'm so, absolutely here Yeah, for so it. It, it all bounces back to hormones. It all bounces back to hormones, yeah. Um, studies have shown that women that take contraception, um, the studies that have compared to a single hormonal contraception and mm -hmm. a double hormonal contraception. Studies have shown that the progesterone-associated um, um, contraception gives more weight gain. It's not supposed to be excessive. It's it's weight gain. It's like, I mean, if you have How 30, many kilograms would you then say are normal for what is this for the gain? I mean, um, you can't put a number to it. But when it's abnormal, it's abnormal weight gain. Like I can, I can go from 50 to 60 in three months, that's normal weight gain. But the moment I go from from, from 50 to, to, 100 and to 100 to 70 even, that's abnormal. It means this thing is really not working and it needs to come out. I need to stop taking this specific, um, it's like food. If, if you take a lot of fatty food you, and you gain weight, you know that the fat is the one that's making me gain weight. So, and if you start taking something extra like um, an implant, for example, and then in four months you're so big, you're like, what is it? I'm not even eating that much. Where is this weight coming from? Then you know that this is abnormal. You need to get rid of it. Probably um, get another form of contraception that maybe that, that has less progesterone or maybe that has both progesterone and estrogen so that you can sort of regulate um, what happens to the body. This then also brings us to the fact that you need to be able to keep tabs on your body and what's going and around it because then when you're taking in a contraceptive for example you should be able to be picking up on those changes you should be able to know when it's normal when it's not abnormal mm -hmm. and when to seek services this is very very important and this is one of the key things i'm picking up from today's conversation mm -hmm. keep tabs on it if you're an iphone user please there's a health app for you that you can actually make use of and there are also other apps in terms of menstruation that you can be able to what is this to download from app store google store that you keep all this information logged on so so you are able to better take care of yourself or you ought to have such conversations so you then also pick up such things mm -hmm. as a person. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if or oh, while you're still here, you are still tuned on to Sex Talks Podcast. And one thing for sure about us is your health and well-being are our main priority. Please do stay tuned for yet another enlightening, empowering, informative because all I did today was not my head because Hi, I've been learning. And please, don't keep this information to yourself. Pass it on to another person. Or even better, call them so you listen to the episode together. Please do remember to engage with us on our website, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and our various social media platforms. With that being said, it's been an honor being with you today. Until next time, amigos, adios.